Welcome to Inspiring Science Teachers. My name is Chris Stoker, and the goal of this podcast is to tap into the minds of great science teachers and share those ideas with all of you. So, thanks for listening. For this episode, my colleague Becky Fakus and I got to sit down with Chris Taylor, an elementary principal and former science supervisor. Chris shares a great lesson involving a rock from Antarctica, critical reading, and calling the most important person in the world. He also discusses the value of being open to trying new things and helping students learn to have civil conversations about science issues. We especially loved his proud moment of a former student's involvement in a current project with students. So once again, welcome and thanks for joining us. Well, Chris, it's great to be here with you today. We're excited. We've been excited for a while um, for this uh, time to chat with you. So um, just start off by telling us a little about your career in education. First of all, thank you for being here. It's, um, you two are close friends and just excited to have this podcast with you. Yeah, you. So this is my 29th year in education. I taught for 19 years and I taught all grade levels, second through ninth grade. Um, was a principal for a couple of years. And then I went to the district office and I was the curriculum supervisor for science, social studies, health, and computer science. Um, and it was great because I got to learn a lot about curriculum and learn a lot about just the structure of how a district runs. And then just this year, I decided I need to get back with kids. So now this is my first year being principal at Riverside Elementary. So it was about nine years as supervisor? Eight years eight as supervisor. Years. Okay. Yeah, eight years. Well, that's awesome. Let me just ask you this real quick. What have you learned as principal that you didn't know either as a supervisor or as uh, a teacher? I'll tell you one thing that I'm just shocked with is after being in the district office for those eight years, just some of the behaviors mm -hmm. is unbelievable. And I don't know if that's because of COVID or if it's just because of social media we have now. So just getting back involved with some of the behaviors is mind-boggling to me. When I was a teacher, I don't remember these same behaviors. So that has been interesting. And then the other thing I think is just the work our teachers do. I think at the district office, we sometimes forget what it's our teachers do at the school. They work their tails off and they're always thinking about what's best for kids. So it's gotten me a nice perspective back to that. Nice. Um, Chris, did you always want to be a teacher? Can you tell us uh, why you went into education? Yeah, actually, I started in uh, medicine. My dad is a doctor. My mom is a nurse. And my dad always wanted a father-son business. So he started out in pre-med for a couple years. And um, then I got a little rebellious. <laughs> I said, Dad, I'm not going to do this. And I was coaching my brother's baseball team at the time and just really enjoyed working with kids. So I thought maybe science education is the right thing for me. And I actually took it at the route of both elementary and secondary because I liked working with the younger kids, my brother's baseball team. Uh, my dad still sends me medical journals today thinking that he wants that father-son business. It's not <laughs> happening, but, but we still talk a lot about the medicine. I feel like I'm still involved with the science piece. So you still got some hope that you might change <laughs> careers. Maybe that's next. I know. My dad's 80 years old and he's still a doctor. I said, Dad, okay, we're getting to the end here. I'm not going to be a doctor. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's great. Um, one of the things that we love to do is, is uh, have um, educators like walk us through a lesson. So why don't you tell us about, like, I don't know, a favorite lesson or activity you have or you've done or you've seen or something that you want to share? 
Yeah. What's really great being a principal again is I teach a science lesson in every class. So I have 30 classrooms here. So I just taught a lesson in fifth grade last week that I'll share. But I love getting back in the classrooms for the kids to see me as a teacher. And then also I can model some of my science pedagogy with teachers as well. So we were doing a lesson in fifth grade just on the properties of matter. And I really believe strongly and strongly in the 5e model. And my dissertation that I just finished recently was on phenomena. So I always start with phenomena. So I had this um, rock and I tell the kids stories. So I told them I got this rock from a scientist in Antarctica, um, even though that's not where it was from. But it just they look at it and they his partners, they try to describe it. So that phenomena, just having those conversations. And then the big thing is getting kids an opportunity to explore before you give any science vocabulary, any facts. We're trying to build that background. So the activity that we did is gave them these bags of different types of rocks. And as teams, they were putting them in groups of different properties. I didn't even use the word properties, just classify these rocks. Um, and then the kids went around and looked at different groups, trying to identify how they classified those rocks. And then we talked about properties. Like you guys were talking about properties. And we talked about some of the vocabulary. We read a little article, critical reading article. And then the uh, elaborate, we played a little game, had 10 different pictures that were very similar. And they had to describe that to their partners and teams using now the words properties that they learned. We also incorporated a thinking map in there, I believe strongly in thinking maps. We did a tree map to talk about the different properties. And then the thing they love the best is at the end, we bring back that phenomenon, that rock. And I tell them, hey, I'm going to call one of the most important people on this planet. And being a principal, and they call me Dr. Taylor here, they said, oh, he's calling Elon Musk. <laughs> so I get the phone. They don't know who I'm calling. And it's my mom, who is the most important person for me on the planet. And what the kids have to do, I tell my mom, these kids are going to describe what I'm holding in my hand. And the cool thing is they were using different property words that they've never knew before. Like they're using different types of luster. They're using different types, you know, shapes and colors and sizes. Using now those words, getting embedded in their head properties. And then my mom had to try to figure out what it was. And then went to dinner with my mom and she looked at it and the kids did a pretty good job describing it. So building that, to me, that authenticity, this is a relevant person. It was a fun lesson. And those are the kind of lessons I like to do in all my classes. You did that same thing with all the fifth grade classes? All the fifth grade classes. I had three fifth grade classes, so I did that. So did your mom have to pretend to not know some she, things? Uh, she did. So we did it all the same week. So I didn't show her the actual object until that weekend when we had okay. dinner. So she got three different classes, but the kids thought they were the first one time given its mom. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> my mom's still involved with my education. <laughs> so did you come up with the lesson then? Yeah, I, when um, the nice thing about being curriculum supervisor for the district is I'm really passionate about elementary science. Um, you know, we looked at different programs. We looked at like mystery science, looked at STEM scopes, but we decided we were going to create something our own, a Boise way of doing things. And this is the lessons that all the teachers have now in their palm of their hands. And it's in a slideshow presentation, a unit plan, but it's the 5e model. Every lesson starts with phenomena. So we develop those uh, myself and a small team of us so that elementary teachers can do these for all kids and really get kids to think like a scientist. Um, I'm sure you've heard this before, but I really believe science is a verb, not a noun. Like I want kids doing science. Yeah. That's impressive. So as someone who's worked with elementary teachers for a long time and now an elementary principal, um, can you tell us some of the challenges that your teachers face and how you try to help them with those? Yeah, time, I'm sure you've heard this in many of your podcasts too, is time is a big one, especially elementary. They're teaching six different subjects. But one of the things we've tried to do in our district is 
we need to integrate. We need to integrate science into our ELA and math. And my philosophy is, and we just started doing this the last couple of years, is third grade through sixth grade, science should be sort of the keystone part of that. And then we put the ELA in that because we can always find those nonfiction articles. And as you might know, fourth grade, 80% of that should be that nonfiction reading. And that's what my junior high teachers used to say is these kids can finally come in and have some science background and actually can dive into a nonfiction article. So time's a big thing, but we need to figure out how can we integrate that together? Like it's not a science block, then a language block, then a social studies block. How can we integrate those pieces together? Um, content's a hard one for elementary teachers. Um, you know, they don't have the science content. They take one science elementary methods. And I teach that at, I teach out of Boise State every once in a while. And they don't have that content. So creating resources that can make them feel comfortable with that content. Um, in our district, every year we did a training for every grade level, K, 1, 2, all the way through 6th grade. And we focused on like one unit and worked on that content. So they have that content feeling. And then resources, I think throughout the state, when I do things with small districts, just finding the resources out there for elementary teachers. Well, that's great advice. Thank you. Um, you don't fit the mold of a typical elementary teacher back when you were, but did you feel like you had to get confident in science when you first began teaching? Or did you already kind of come in with this much more solid science foundation? Yeah, I think because I started in medical school, and of course, my parents both being science nerds, I feel like I had some of that content. However, I tell this to secondary teachers all the time, content is really important. But giving that passion back to kids, you've got to know how can I get kids to understand this content and also be passionate about it. So that was a hard thing when I started teaching. My first year's teaching was an elementary teacher teaching second grade, and just finding, hey, how can I get the kids to understand this from a seven year old mind, which is not, yeah, that's a skill set. That's a skill set. And I tell you, as a first year teacher, I want to go back and change a lot of things I did. So yeah, yeah a lot of learning through my long career. I was in a kinder a science lesson last week, and I just was blown away by how good the teacher was doing it. And I'm like, this is really takes some skills. So yeah, I agree. Well, let, let me kind of ask you about this confidence piece. If, if um, you had a new teacher next fall that came in that just wasn't very confident in science, like what advice you know, I know you mentioned the passion part, but yeah. what, like, how would you kind of help them get there? Yeah, I have a brand new teacher this year, a baby teacher. I think she's 21 years old. She's teaching kindergarten for me. So one thing I've been able to do is I've taught a couple science lessons to do some modeling, but I think collaboration is key. Um, education no longer is staying in your four walls. So having collaboration time. So one thing we do in our school district is we allow those teachers a couple times a year to go to other classrooms. So her and her mentor here have gone to other kindergarten teachers and just learned and having those conversations. Um, the other thing I believe very strongly, and my teachers know this, I always want them to try new things. They're going to fail. I'm a scientist. If you try something new and you fail, we learn from that. That's how you know Thomas Edison made the light bulb. I can't remember how many failures he had. So I think they feel like, hey, Dr. Taylor's going to let me try something. And if it doesn't work, we can have conversations about it. So just try it. You know, that safe space to experiment with their instruction is really important. Um, we talk a lot about the difference between elementary and secondary teachers yeah. and the content being a problem for elementary, but elementary have a lot of positive things that they could share. Yeah. Uh, what do you think that secondary teachers can learn to do better from elementary teachers? Yeah. First of all, just working at the district office, the science supervisor, I have some amazing secondary science teachers. But I think one thing when a secondary teacher goes into teaching, they have that love of content. 
And sometimes we need to give that passion to the love of the student. And I think they say, hey, we like our students, but really love those students and build those relationships. I think one thing elementary teachers do unbelievably is build relationships. I know when I taught um, secondary and even think of ninth grade, sometimes it's hard when you got those kids for 45 minutes, but you know, you can still find their interest and build those things. The relationships are huge. I think engagement is a big thing too. I mean, secondary, we have so much content we feel like we have to teach. Doesn't matter if you're going to teach them, you know, stoichiometry. Where's the relevance to that? Where am I going to use this again? Where's that passion with it? Like, how do we get those kids excited about the content? Like, I was in that fifth grade classroom. The kids are yelling that they just love science. How do we lose that love of science when we get to high school science? So, trying to find those ways to do that. And then finally, I think differentiation. I think elementary teachers are very gifted at differentiating the needs of their 30 students in their classroom. I think secondary, because we have 150 students, how do we implement that differentiation? And I think there's ways to do it, but it's difficult. But I think elementary teachers are really good at that. Yeah, thanks for that insight. So that pressure secondary teachers and especially high school have to cover the material, like how do we get them to focus more on relationships? I mean, is it, can you do both at the same time or what? you have any tips on that? Yeah. And I, I mean, I give, I'm giving you guys a little bit of credit with that. I think one thing we started in our district a couple of years ago is, is making priority standards. I think that's really crucial that we don't need to teach everything this mile long and an inch deep. Let's focus on these key topics because I would love to see more of that inquiry. And I think if teachers get that off their shoulders saying, Hey, I don't, I can really focus on this topic and not go into all these weeds. So I think that priority standards has helped us a lot. Also in our district, we're working a lot on clarity, really having clear success criteria and learning intentions. And I think that has helped teachers understand a little bit more, okay, if I got to teach this topic in chemistry, what is that in student-friendly language? How am I gonna do that? Getting them more thinking about that piece as well, that clarity piece I think has really helped out. Yeah. Still some work to do, but I think we're on the right track. Awesome. Um, I know you've been involved a lot in the community and things and getting students involved in that kind of work. What, what are some ideas or ways that we could help students do more in the community? Yeah, I think um, one thing about this generation I have learned about is they are anxious and they want their voices heard. So I think as educators, one is finding those opportunities for students to speak, um, to be involved in their community. I think they are willing to do that. Um, having these service opportunities. I mean, one project we're doing right now is this vertical alignment. We have our Timberline, which is our high school, Timberline high school students working with my elementary students and other feeder elementary students on this biodiversity project. They are coming and teaching elementary kids. And then what we're gonna do in May is the junior high kids that our elementary kids feed to are gonna take all of our elementary kids to the river and look at the biodiversity and look at the Boise River, the biodiversity of the river. So allowing these high school and secondary kids to be involved with elementary, we're bridging this gap, I feel, to help all kids really be involved in their learning. So that project's pretty cool, I think. So that vertical alignment piece. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it sounds like it would really encourage the passion that you're trying to. Yeah, and elementary students and elementary kids will listen to high school kids all day long compared to adults. So I remember how cool those kids were when I was yeah. little. Yep, exactly. So it's really cool. Um, so from a little bit different perspective of science education, you're involved with ISTA and the NSTA, your regional director for that. 
Um, can you tell us a little bit about what you see are the biggest needs in science education and how teachers can help move things forward? Yeah, so I am the district representative for Idaho, Wyoming, and Montana, and we are three states that have a lot of rural districts. I have done some training in rural districts, and it is so difficult for the supports that they need. So I think one thing, not thinking of my district I'm at right now, but a rural districts, how can we support them, one, getting teachers, getting resources? I mean, you talk to a rural teacher, and he's teaching, or he or she's teaching, you know, five or six different subjects. Like, how do you do that quality, to be honest? So how can we help those rural teachers? Um, I'm really worried about the pipeline of teachers, especially in the secondary realm. I mean, I uh, screened all of our Boise School District, all our new teachers, and it's getting smaller and smaller. So how do we find those passionate people out there that want to give back to the community? I think it's important. Um, and I think professional development is a big thing, too. I think our state is doing some really good things. I give a lot of credit to the State Department for having science coaches. I think that's helping a little bit for all the districts. But how can we find quality professional development or cohort model style that our teachers can actually work together? I'm working with the three state department science coordinators of Wyoming, Montana and Idaho and figuring out how can our three states really bond together and get our teachers to work together. Like if I'm a you know, chemistry teacher in a small town in Wyoming, how could I work with somebody in Idaho or Montana and really just collaborate? Like giving those opportunities for collaboration, I think is important. Yeah, agreed. Very important. Are like our um, the other states doing anything great already that we could like steal now? I mean, what's yeah. Wyoming and Montana, you said, right? Wyoming and Montana. Wyoming is um, just getting back to their, we talked about the Idaho Science Teacher Association. I think we got a pretty strong one here. Wyoming is just getting their organization back on track. So I think they got a ways to come. But one thing I think Montana's done really cool is they have state conferences, but they don't just do it like science and math or just science. They do it every discipline. So like I believe this year it's in Missoula and it's like you get you know, a couple thousand teachers from elementary to secondary, all coming together at a place and just that energy, not just science, but how can I collaborate with my an ELA teacher from a different district? I really like that model. We did that here in 2016. We put on our first quote unquote super conference. We had 1300 people. I just think that's an important model because elementary teachers, they're not going to just always go to just a science because they teach everything. So how can we coordinate that together? So I like what Montana is doing with that piece. Yeah, that's great advice. Oh, I see how that could help too at elementary because then then they could do a science and they could do an ELA and like one day they could hit a lot of stuff for them. I agree. Yeah, yeah perfect. That's a good mm -hmm. idea. Well, um, I mean, I guess the name of this podcast is Inspiring Science Teachers. So our, our next question is if you could tell Idaho science teachers one thing that, that would inspire them or help them, what, what would you say? Um, a couple of things. One is, and I think I mentioned this a little bit before, is that science is not just about obtaining facts. And I think sometimes, especially as secondary teachers, that's what we're going to do. We want them to get to know all these science facts. But it's more about getting them that passion of curiosity and being innovative. That's what we need. That's what companies, I mean, I'm on a board for Micron. That's what they want. They don't care as much about the content. They said, I want somebody that's got the work ethic. It's going to be creative, be innovative. That's the kind of people we want. So we've got to remember that as we're as teachers. And the other thing I just think we need to be really passionate about is science literacy. Um, I talked to, I did a lot of testifying at the State Department, and I just, I want all people to have some background of science literacy so that we can have conversations, civil conversations about topics that are happening in the world today, whether that's, you know, climate change or whether that's just having civil discourse, I guess. So I think science literacy is an important piece. 
And I think our teachers are doing a good job with that. Like, let's look at the relevant things that are happening in our world today that are affecting these kids. And let's have some conversation about that. If, um, if a teacher didn't understand what science literacy was, like maybe they're an elementary teacher yeah. and they're thinking of the science of literacy, yeah. like what, how would you kind of explain what you mean by science literacy? You said a few things, but maybe expand on that a little bit. Yeah, great question. So I think we read so much in the papers today, um, and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to stick with climate change because it's just been on my mind, some things we're doing with some students, but we, there's so many facts out there. So to me, science literacy is, okay, let's take facts from both sides. How can we look at those and have a good way to explain or articulate that using what I have background knowledge in science? So when I talk about science literacy, it's having those conversations that are, you know, driven in evidence. And I think all kids need to see, I think we always need to look at both sides and then try to use that evidence to make a good decision. Because I see what happens when I talk to some adults is their mind is so made up, doesn't matter what evidence you give them in front of them, but they can't put those pieces together. That's great. I know this has come to the forefront more in the last couple of years with, you know, critical race theory and other kind of, um, I guess I would call them buzzwords or like mm -hmm. hot topic, I you know, ideas uh, for people. And it does feel like it's just a challenge to have the conversation yeah. without, without, it, it becoming ugly, you know, yeah. and, and that's like, I think happens in families. I think it happens in schools and I think it's a challenge out in the community as well. And so, boy, anything I think we can do to improve our ability just to talk to each other about yeah. the, the issues and the opinions too, you know, why, why do you feel so strongly about this? Like, what is it that makes you so passionate about it? And why does this this side not like sway you at all? Mm -hmm. Or like, why does this what I see as evidence not help you? And and, you know, what questions do you have for me that I, I'm not articulating very well? And that's well, that's an important skill and hard to do. I think that's really well said. Um, when I was in charge of social <laughs> studies too, the city club of Boise, we decided a whole year we were just going to do like, how can we teach adults and students about having discourse that's civil. And I think just that part in itself is huge. Like you said, okay, I might be really firm on what I believe right here, but let's take the, if we can try to take the politics out of it and let's just look at evidence and have a conversation, a civil conversation. I think we need to teach kids that. I think I am super excited about this next generation of students because I think when I have conversations with them, they want to have conversations, but I think they can look at both sides and be that science literate piece. That's huge in our society right now. Yeah. If these kids didn't know any content, but knew how to really argue from evidence, that would be a really valuable asset. I agree 100 percent, 100 percent. Yeah. So we had one last question for you. Um, wanted to end on a, a high, happy moment. So can you tell us about a time, a proudest moment, so to speak, with a student, um, something that they did that just really impressed you? Yeah, I was I was thinking about this question a lot because um, the one thing I feel really blessed is I still have coffee with a lot of my students now that they're, you know, adults. But I was just talking to a student just last week. Um, he was actually I taught him in sixth grade um, and he is now going to NYU working on his doctorate in entomology. He's doing a, his research projects on dragonflies. And what's really cool is he actually said, I want to still be involved in the Boise Boise schools, because Boise schools is the one that really got me to this place. So I think I was mentioning that project we were doing, that biodiversity project, where we have the high school students working all the way down to the elementary. 
he is the researcher on that project. Like he's in New York and working with us. And he says, I want to get back to this community. So some of the biodiversity species we're doing are insects. And he is working with the high school students on some of that research piece. And he's helping us create videos. Um, we sort of got this from Matthew McConaughey. He did this in Texas, looking at, um, again, those species in Boise that really um, are so valuable. They're keystone species. And I just love this. this is a student that graduated from Boise School District in New York and is now back working with our elementary to high school kids. So it's pretty cool. I, I love That's I love fun. hearing the stories on that. It's like a whole legacy of it education is. for you. It is. That's awesome. So it's and a lot of students, I keep in touch with a lot of my students, and it's just fun seeing what they have done. And a lot of them have gone to the STEM field. I'm pretty passionate about STEM and getting females in STEM. That's one of my big passions. And when I hear some of the students I have that are female and are now in the STEM field, it just makes me just warm. Oh, that's awesome. Love that story. Is there anything that we didn't cover that you want to say or you, you feel good about what we've done? I do. I just want to, all the teachers out there, you guys are doing a marvelous work. It's just amazing to me when I see my staff here, the work and time you put in for these students. I just want to say thank you to that because I have nephews and nieces that go to schools in the state and I'm just proud of Idaho. I think we've come a long ways in education in Idaho and it's because of the ground force teachers that we have. Well said, I agree. Definitely. Well, Chris, thanks for this time to chat. I mean, this has been awesome. I feel like we're going to have to dig in in a future interview with you about more about the 5E, I think, and maybe some of the things you learned in your dissertation about that yeah. kind of thing. I think that would be really interesting. But just appreciate um, the good that you do in our community, the good that you do as a colleague and friend, and um, thanks for the time today. Well, thank you both. And thanks thank for doing this podcast. I just love that we're getting this message out to all teachers. Yeah, our pleasure. It's fun. Thank you. Thank you.